0: Welcome, everybody, to episode 69 of the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Owens. Man, what a uh, what a crazy couple weeks. Um, in the last episode, we talked about um, FDIC and coming back and, and, and loving the job and what it really means to love the job and, and what I think about loving the job. And, and then we went right into the Fireground Commander Conference and uh before i get into the fireground commander conference uh and just what an awesome awesome event that it was for us and our planning group um i I just wanted to kind of on the front end this is going to be a little more of a rambly podcast right like i'm going to talk a little bit about uh some more about loving the job and expanding on that Going to kind of review the fireground commander conference and i'm going to kind of give you an update on what's going on with me and maybe the future of the podcast that hopefully becomes a little more clear in the next couple weeks but uh So the Fireground Commander Conference, a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic uh, just event, um, you know, right off the heels of FDIC. So that one thing that always concerns me, right? And, and, and I know that these guys are pros, right? They're professionals. They always are going to bring their A game, or at least they're going to try to bring the best game that they have. But man, FDIC is exhausting. I know the planning group and uh, a lot of the staff all went out to FDIC, you know, a good majority of them, and we came back exhausted. Uh, we were out there making contacts, taking classes, partaking in some of the social events and it just it exhausts you it's well worth it if you've never gone to the fire department instructors conference or FDIC i highly 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 suggest that you go it's even if you can only go once um i think it's it's well worth your dime well worth your time and if you go out there i guarantee you'll want to go back i've said it before i i believe this was you know i've lost kind of count i started going to fdic in 2001 when i was in college um you know and it just was a tremendous impact on me a tremendous impact on my fire service career it really uh i always talk about uh, my experience going to college at eastern kentucky university kind of opened my mind up to some other things and thoughts in the fire service right like when when i went out to college I truly thought that, and, and I think this is a good mentality, but I but but it was also bad. I thought that I volunteered for the best fire department on the planet. You could not convince me uh, otherwise that we, we had two engines, a ladder truck, and a rescue company. I had the a, a, opportunity to learn a variety of different disciplines in the fire service, all in my volunteer, you know, never had to leave the volunteer house in order to learn truck work, engine work, rescue work, and that's something that's benefited me throughout my career. So I went to college with the mentality of like, nah, man, like, you know, like we're the shit and, and you guys are just here. Right. And man, was I wrong. There was so much, not that anything that I learned from my mentors who are still important to me today was wrong, but there was more to learn. There was, there was another, uh, chapter to the book, Rather and so when I went to college, that really, really was was highlighted to me. And then, smack in the face, went to FDIC for the first time and just saw the whole like, just huge world that the fire service was. And you know, again, more of a local kid, I, I, you know, focused. I, you know, I knew there was an FDNY and a DC fire department and all those kind of things. And a Baltimore, I mean, I'd been to Baltimore several times, right? Like, I knew there was a fire department there, but I didn't study those things like I study now. I didn't you know, I wasn't a great student of the game. I focused a lot on the local aspects. Like I focused a lot on the fire department I work for now and I focused on the history of our fire department that we were a part of and, and the city of Richmond and, and some of those things, right? And, and and I so I mean I knew a lot about those things, but I didn't know about the big global fire service world and going to F D I C holy crap, that just that just, you know, it just blew my mind and it really changed my trajectory uh, in the fire service and I became even more ate up with it than I already was and just wanted to learn everything that I can and that was something that happened as an 18 year old kid and it's still going on today I still love going to FDIC I still love going to conferences and I love learning and reading Um, just anything I can get my hands on. Uh, I I haven't stopped yet and I don't, and I don't think I ever will. Even when I retire from the fire service, I think I'll still, uh, frequent a conference every once in a while and, and everything like that but uh, and still read and subscribe to fire engineering and all because I'm going to want to know what's happening in the future especially if my kids they say they want to be firemen well if they continue on that path I'm going to want to know what they're doing and what they're talking about and what they're learning and and how it's different than what I've learned and just you know I I don't think it's I think it's going to be till the day they put me in the ground that's what I'm going to be interested in Uh, which is cool I I, you know I I, most people don't ever find something like that right they just kind of meander through life and they don't find anything they're really passionate about and I'm, I'm so lucky to have been pushed in that direction and, and pointed in that direction and, and given the support and, and encouragement. But anyway, so FDIC exhausting. And so when you when you have a conference that's on the heels of that, you kind of wonder about the, the uh, you know just the, the exhaustion of the instructor, the exhaustion of the student. A lot of people that are students in our conference, they go to fdic they go to big conferences right and so they're coming off the heels of a conference the instructors and again i know they're pros i said that already they travel all over the country but you know like when you're in your your third state in 2 weeks or your fifth state in 2 weeks man sometimes it becomes a blur and and maybe you're not bringing your 100% and uh, so you you tend to worry about that as a planning group right because these conferences uh, anybody who's never run one i can tell you these conferences are all about the content. It doesn't ma- you know, some of the other things matter. You know, you want to have a good venue, you want to have a good uh you want to have some good social events, you want to have some good food, but if the main reason they're there which is the content piece and the instruction piece, if that sucks, then you 're not going to have a good conference right you you're just not and so you tend to worry about that from a planning group uh, and you worry about that from a student perspective, like are they oversaturated it 's something my brother and I and my good friend daniel myers uh who were all on the planning group for the fireground commander that 's something we talk about constantly is being this plugged in sometimes a class misses the mark and it's not the instructor's fault it's your fault because you know maybe you've already read all their stuff like everybody who speaks at the fire ground commander uh i've already heard them speak usually multiple times because we vet those instructors before we invite them to come teach at the conference and a lot of people ask like you know they don't see me sitting in the the lectures uh as much when i'm when i'm working the conference and i could one because i'm usually doing other things i'm trying to do social media i'm trying to uh, we're working with the theater constantly to like up our you know you know up our our production value like get other things done we're getting meal like while you're sitting in the classroom we're working we're working with the the Richmond Flying Squad to make sure that the break room is okay all of those things but the other reason is that I've seen them speak so many times. I can bring you the notes. Some of them, I can even tell you when they're gonna tell the same joke. Uh like I can time it, right? And so so that's why I'm not I'm not in there as much. I'm not saying you can't learn something from watching someone multiple times, but you know, that's just that's the reality of it. And so we wonder you know, are these speakers, there? Are, are they saturating their, their, their market, right? Like, are you know, or have so many people heard Ray McCormick speak that they're not going to get anything out of it and they're going to be bored? And, you know, you would think that that's not the case, but uh, we, we get feedback like that sometimes, not specifically from Ray, but just, you know, instructors in general. And we talk about that and we debate that and like, hey, you know, should we bring in this guy that only we have heard of and we think he's great you know will people come see this person and and so you know we worry about that and it's a, it's a ton of stress from that planning group perspective but uh just to, i I don't think we could have pulled off a better one like I say this every year that this one was the best one but it it really was and that's no disparagement to any other lineup or any other group of people we've brought in to uh to teach this was just such a phenomenal group of people and a phenomenal lineup everyone uh all the instructors were just so personable. They wanted to interact with the students. They wanted to, you know, uh, for for those that don't know, when we do this, a lot of the instructor we start on a Monday, but it really starts for us Saturday night and Sunday. Um, we're starting to move into the venue Sunday. We're picking up instructors. We're checking into hotel rooms. We're doing all these things. And then every Sunday, the Sunday before the conference starts, we take all the staff that can make it and all the instructors out to dinner. And so, man, that was one of my favorite dinners. I've done it a couple of times. I've not, I've not been able to do it every time, uh, just because, you know, family life is real. Um, but, This was one of my favorite, favorite dinners. I got to talk to so many cool people. Um, And this was probably the most personable group of instructors that we've brought in. Um, You know... Last year we had Dean Ali and Jason Patton, and they were really cool to hang out with. This year, man, like everybody was just into wanting to hang out, into wanting to converse. Just some passionate, passionate people. Um, I got to finally like speak to in person, seen them speak several times, but actually like talk and converse with Shannon and DJ Stone, who, in my opinion, are two of the coolest dudes on the planet. Um, You know, a lot of people talk about how similar my brother and I are in opinion and looks and you know and everything like that. And and DJ and Shannon are brothers, but they have completely different personalities, but they're both freaking awesome. And they're just great conversationalists, great firefighters, great instructors. Uh, Sean Duffy got to ride, got to take him back to the airport. And man, that guy just talks fire all the time. Uh, Lex and Chris, Kyle Smith, uh, Ray McCormick, just everybody. involved. Wells, uh, Dan McMaster, just like all these guys. And, and I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm probably leaving somebody out, and I don't want to. But but uh, just just tremendous, tremendous. Just probably the best blend and most eclectic topics we've ever had. Uh, you know, we, this year we brought in Kyle Smith to do fire protection systems and that's not a sexy topic for some people, right? Like not everyone, you know, not every firefighter reads about stuff like that. Not every firefighter is, is a nerd for fire protection systems. Right. But man, I tell you what, he, Kyle made it exciting. At least for me, I had heard him speak at a before, But, uh, man, you know, and I popped in several times to hear his lecture just to kind of gauge the room and see how people were and people were writing notes and they were engaged and they were on a topic that not a lot of people like. And, And I think that's great because I've said this before on previous episodes. Uh, when we covered uh, firefighters and high rises, and when I talked about HROCK, uh, man, we have there is such a misunderstanding on how fire protection systems work. We think we know, and in reality, a lot of us have no freaking clue on on what you know, really is happening in these systems. And I thought I had a pretty good understanding over it until I read Firefighters and High Rises, took Kyle Smith's uh, part of his suburban high rise track at, uh, at, at H-Rock and all of these things. Like I thought I had a really good understanding about how fire pumps work. And, and I, I was woefully, woefully misinformed. And, uh, and that worries me, right? Because as I say, as someone who is as passionate and as plugged into the fire service a, as I am, if I don't know that what are the people that aren't plugged in like what do they not know and that worries me and not everyone can know everything right but like there are people that you know them on your job they're not as engaged as you are they're not as engaged as the guy next to you and so if you don't know something and you're engaged what do they not know and that's a scary 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 thought uh, and it was for me when I was like, man, I know fire protection systems. Like I've taken a couple different classes, and you know what I mean. And and I know them, and I I have been woefully misinformed on some of the things, and and just you know, again, just tremendous tremendous class that's usually not super sexy for people, but and just just a great group of instructors, a, a fantastic you know, audience, a fantastic venue. Uh, I I wish people had have attended the socials a little more, and that's something that we as a planning group have to figure out, right? Like a year ago, we packed a pizza place and, I mean, packed it shoulder to shoulder. You couldn't stand in there, and we usually do pretty good with that venue and uh, packed it so much that we got complaints that we didn't have a second social, and this year went back to the same venue for the first night and added a second social uh at our union hall which is literally not even a mile from the theater and not a lot of people not a lot of participation you know there was more people at the uh there was more people at the PBR social the pizza place social um than there were the second night social but uh yeah i mean it was uh it was, the socials weren't very well attended and and we kind of don't know why when the feedback we got from the years past was, Hey man, you guys aren't doing enough. We need to have stuff to do every night and blah, 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 blah. And so we're kind of putting the pause on what we're going to do social wise. We may drop it back to one again, because I can tell you the socials are, are more work. You know, there, there are a lot of work. There are a lot of uh, hard work. There are a lot of coordination and, and we have to make sure that we're uh, making it beneficial for the, for the venue that's hosting the social. I mean, like the, the pizza place, it shuts its doors to outside patrons uh, when we go in there. And so if it's not worthwhile to them, if they would make more money on a Monday night uh, serving regular customers than they would us, then it's not worthy for them. It's not worth it for them to uh, open their doors just for us and kind of close out the, the general public. So, so, you know, that's something we're going to have to, uh, to pause on. But I mean, overall, one of the best conferences we've ever put on. And I say all that to say that, of course, you know, we're back. We're doing another one. Um, you know, we always are planning a year ahead. And we, the registration is already open for the 2024 Fireground Commander, our seventh annual conference, our seventh annual conference. The dates are going to be May 13th, 14th, and 15th. I know what you're thinking already. May 12th is Mother's Day. Well, I'm going to tell you, your mama or your wife probably don't want you home anyway. So come get your learn on in Henrico County, Virginia. Okay, It's going to be three days of lectures. We're going to have eight speakers. Lunch is provided every day. Uh, We're probably going to have some sort of social. We'll figure that out. And we're giving group discounts available. But I can tell you, we always start the conference at $99 for early birds. And what we do for the early bird, we give anybody who's there on the last day jump start. We play a nice preview video. The preview video is on EmbraceTheResistance.com and in the uh, and on the Embrace the Resistance YouTube channel. We play a video and we open registration right then for anybody that's still sitting in the room for $99. We give them 24 hours of a head start and then we open registration to everyone else, and I can tell you that the $99 registrations are already sold out. So the regular price for the conference is $175. So $175 is a tremendous investment in yourself. If you think about all the things that you spend money on, think about all the things you spend money on, putting $175 into a fire conference isn't a whole heck of a lot. And you get lunch every day, there's going to be a social. We're going to try to figure that out and check sure if we're going to go to the pizza venue or maybe try something different. There's snacks and drinks provided, coffee, and it's a tremendous venue located in Henrico County, Virginia, and check out this lineup that we've got coming. Brent Brooks, from high, uh, he's going to be teaching high-rise firefighting. Tony Carroll, He's going to be teaching Mayday Monday, one of the most popular articles uh, in fire engineering. Phil Joes is going to be teaching The Art of Reading Smoke. Nick Papa is going to be teaching Coordinating Ventilation to Support Extinguishment and Survivability. He has a tremendous book that's out through Fire Engineering, if you haven't read it. Jason Hovelman, he's going to be talking about tactical considerations at garden apartment fires. John Hayowick is going to be talking about commanding the first 30 minutes and beyond. Jess Rodzinka is going to be talking about the senior man and formal leader in the fire service. And to me, the keynote speaker, the guy that's going to lead off the conference, the guy that's because we always start with leadership at the fire ground commander conference because we believe that leadership is the key, that everything starts and ends with leadership. If you have a good organization, it's because of good leadership. If you have a bad organization, it's because of bad leadership. If you have a good company, it's because of good leadership, so on and so forth and so we're going to open the conference with corley moore talking about the nine l's of leadership corley moore from the weekly scrap the vigilantes firehouse vigilance all of those things one of the the hottest speakers in the fire service and one of the best uh, hottest authors in the fire service right now and uh just you know guys pumping out content every week and he is Got, he has his finger on the pulse of the fire service. He is the current fire service, uh, uh, mover and shaker. in in America today. And so it's so cool to have that lineup. And so for $175, all of those are national level speakers. They all speak all over the country. They're authors. They're everything. And you can come see them in Henrico County, Virginia for $175. Go to embracetheresistance.com. Click on the conference tab. It's right there on the main page. If you want to click on the conference and sign up today and join us for May thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth, twenty twenty four. So as we transition uh, out of that, like I said, fireground commander was just tremendous this year. I'm so pumped. I'm pumped already. Normally, when we end when we end it, we're all exhausted, and I was. I was tired. Uh, I went on a I went on a uh, a work binge uh, where just working every other day after that working some overtime and, 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 and working some uh, different shifts and, you know, because life is real and you have to pay for things. So, you know, FDIC is expensive. It's, it's not, it's not cheap conferences. Most of them are expensive. They're not cheap, you know, kids, food, all that stuff. It's not cheap. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes you got to work a little overtime. And so I went on like a marathon of work, uh, for the next two or three weeks after that. And, uh, which arrives us to here and, uh, what, I mean, you know, tremendous, tremendous uh, time at work, tremendous, you know, got to go so, some good calls, got to do some good trainings. Uh, and as I've talked about in previous podcasts, my fire department is under some tremendous amount of change. Uh, we have, you know, our fire chief left, one of our deputy chiefs left. And a lot of our battalion chiefs and our assistant chiefs, the guys with a lot of tenure are retiring and we are in a transition period of, of leadership and administration. Uh, my former, uh, big boss, uh, our, our assistant chief, uh, our shift commander became the fire chief. And, uh, it's just, it's cool to see a guy that you've worked with so close, uh, achieve that. And, uh, you know, he's always been a mover and a shaker throughout his career and he's always pushed the envelope and, and, and everyone knew that eventually he was going to sit in that seat. Um, and so it's really, really cool to see that. And, and, you know, like anything else, there's growing pains with change, right? Like anything else, there's growing pains with change. There's, there's things, there's initiatives that come down the pike and, and there's people are moving. And, and for, so for the last couple of weeks, it's, it's almost felt like we were kind of just waiting for some of these things to, uh, to change, right? We we're waiting for some of these things to get in place so that we could go back to moving forward. It was kind of like we, we were, uh, we were a, a, a ship, a cruise ship, and we pulled into port for a little bit because, uh, we needed to offload and, and then reload and, and then hit, start heading back out. And, and I think hopefully, uh, with all these promotions being made, with all these promotions being made, then I think we're almost back loaded, uh, almost back loaded up and ready to head back out to sea and as part of that and as part of those changes I do have to to share with everyone in the audience that I was given the the great honor and the great opportunity and promoted to the rank of battalion chief with the fire department that I work for. Um, I truly 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 was surprised. Um, It's something that I did pursue uh, I got in our promotional process uh, under the old leadership regime, uh, not thinking that I really had much of a chance. Um, I have been an operationally focused fireman my entire life and my entire career. Um, I don't have, well, I've done some administrative duties at the station captain level and as a company officer, like I've never sat behind a desk in my forty, you know, in my 19 years with that department, my over 20 years as a as a career firefighter, and you know, 20 some plus years as a firefighter in general, right? Just have never have never done that. And then before I got in the fire department, I've never held a desk job. I've always I was a lifeguard uh, in high school. I was a stock boy at uh, at different at, at different places, at a toy store, at a drugstore, store. Um, in college, I was a lifeguard. I worked in a roofing warehouse. So like I've always had blue collar, hands-on jobs. My part-time work has always been, uh, uh, hands-on blue collar. Uh, I've done, you know, part-time fire departments. I've worked part-time at a local theme park as a uh, fire safety officer. So I've never, ever, ever sat behind. And there's a lot of people that are way qualified to do office level work. Right. And that's something that's always been missing in my career and really not missing because I've always wanted to be, uh, out in, in the field and, uh, but and there were a lot of people that have a more well-rounded, in my opinion, uh, pedigree, right? Like mine is is all about being a firefighter, and my, all my education, all my educational pursuits have all been circled around how I can be the best firefighter, fire officer, and hopefully one day chief officer that I could be. And uh, I was still given the honor and the privilege of being promoted to that rank, um, you know. And as part of that uh, battalion chiefs. There are, we have field battalions. We have nine of them. Uh, and then we have battalion chiefs that are in the office. And so I don't know what my assignment is yet, but there's a good chance that I could end up in the office. Um, I think everyone in my fire department knows what I'm good at and what I'm passionate about. But when you ask for promotion, and here's is a tip for anybody that's going through a promotional process, when you ask for promotion, not only ask for promotion, when you pursue a promotion, because in the fire service, we know that our promotional processes, they're pursuits. You're not asking to get promoted. You're pursuing it. You're going after it. Most of us have to take a test. I know in our department, you take uh, for lieutenant and captain, you take a test you do an assessment center, and in the assessment center, there, there, you do a tactical problem. You have citizen interactions, you have employee interactions. They ask you quest follow up questions, and then you do interviews, and then you do so. You're doing three steps, and then the fire chief he has the, he has the uh, option to interview as well. So you could end up doing four things just to get promoted to lieutenant. So you have, you're pursuing. This promotion. Uh, With captain, it's the same thing, and with battalion chief, uh, it's an assessment center, a project, and an interview. And, of course, the fire chief has the right to, to do a fire chief's interview if he wants to, if he chooses to. So you are pursuing that promotion. And so my advice to you, and this is what I truly believe, it's not rhetoric, my advice to you is that when you get that promotion, you take what they give you. Right, I don't want to go. I'm not an office guy. I'm going to struggle if they put me in the office. But I'm going to go there and try to do good work if they put me in the office. I'm going to struggle if they put me in the field because you know it's a different job as a captain. It's a different interaction as a captain. It's you know there there's there's a layer between you know quote unquote us and them. And really, in reality, once you hit that chief officer rank, you are them. Now, I still think that there's ways that you can still be a firefighter first and a fireman first, and I plan on being one of those guys. Uh, I don't th- you're never going to get the fireman out of me. But you take what you, what you get when you get promoted. You, you, don't, uh, you don't get that promotion and have the honor of someone giving you that promotion and then throw it in their face to be like, hey man, this sucks. I don't want to do this job, right? Like maybe you do that at home, but to the people that promote you, you don't you don't throw that in their face. You don't throw it back at them or anything like that. Um, I, I've said this story several times. When I got promoted to lieutenant, I got put to a firehouse that I did not want to go to, but I kept that to myself. I went there, I started learning the people, and while I never liked working out of that firehouse as far as the district and the calls and the call type, I came to love the people I worked with, and it was one of my best assignments as far as people. Uh, I, I showed a picture on on uh, I shared a picture. It was probably a couple months ago, maybe even a year or two ago, of all of us from that shift, and. I'm remembering off the top of my head, but all of us working together, there was our station captain, two lieutenants, one of them being myself, and then a bunch of other firefighters, eight other firefighters. Our station captain is now a battalion chief. I'm a battalion chief. The other lieutenant, he left the fire service, but he's doing awesome. He runs his own business, right? He runs his own business, blah, 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 blah. He's doing fantastic. There was... One one of the firefighters is now a captain. One, two, I'm thinking three or four of the firefighters are now lieutenants in the department. And so the people that I was surrounded with made it one of the best stations that I ever were a part of. And so the advice I would give you is that take what they give you and make the most of it. And if you can go to a place that you're not really happy about and try to make it work for you and try to get in where you fit in, or maybe put your, put your, your spin on it, man, it's going to make you look so much better than someone to fit. And look, like, like, you know, it's hard to be a firefighter first in the office, but you don't have to, you don't have to give up those things. Right. And now, Am I honest? Do I hope I have? Do I hope I have to find out? Nope. But if not, I'm gonna try and take a good mentality in there to it, and I'm gonna try and take a, uh, I'm gonna try to take a firefighter first mentality and support the people the best way that I can. Um, with that being said, though, the podcast and uh, the future of the podcast may change a little bit. Obviously, if I stay in the field on the same schedule that I'm on now or a similar schedule, I'll have more time to record and I'll have uh, just the same amount of time I have now but if not if I end up on a 40-hour work week cuz that's what our administrative positions are 40-hour work weeks the length and time between recording may extend I know I'm typically only doing one a month now I try to do two but a lot of times I just run out of time and I don't like putting content out there or crappy content out there right if I don't have anything to say or I don't or I don't think it's going to be good then I'm not going to hit publish so with that being said, if I end up on a 40-hour position, the, the length of time, it may go to once every other month or it may go to you know shorter episodes. It may go to more uh, blurb type. I may do more live streams. Uh, I've, I've talked about maybe doing some quick Facebook stuff on the Facebook page. Um, you know, just some live streams, kind of, you know, Kurt Isaacson esque, but but maybe not in the same. Like, I don't have a dock or anything cool. Maybe I'll do it from my man cave. I don't know. I've just talked about trying to continue to stay engaged. Um, if I end up uh, having to change that role, but I'm super excited uh, about becoming a battalion chief. It was a goal of mine for a long time. It really is the is the rank I wanted to retire at. Um, so I probably hit it a little early. Uh, since I still have, you know, I, I can retire at 50, I'm 41 now, and so I probably hit it a little bit early, but the, uh, but, you know, if I never get to a higher rank, which I really at this point, like, I'm not one of those guys that, uh that sees that, right, like, I didn't really think about battalion chief until I made lieutenant, right, like, I was kind of like, you know, alright, maybe, maybe that's something that was, you know, when I was a firefighter, I thought, man, making it to lieutenant would be a touchdown, And I'm not one of those guys that sees the finish line, right? Like I'm not like standing here at the start line and sees the finish line. I've never been that way. I climb the, I look to the next mountain when I'm at the top of this one, right? And so when I got to lieutenant, I was kind of up on top of that mountain, and I'm like, okay, what's next, right? I see captain in front of me. Man, battalion chief looks way far away. It might be possible, but we'll see. And then when I got promoted to captain, I was staring at that next mountain and that was battalion chief. And it looked like it was still kind of far away. Uh, You know, it it took me about seven years to to six or seven years to make that battalion rank. Right. And I was eligible in two uh, eligible to take the test in two years. Right. So. So I'm not that type of person. So now that I'm standing, I've climbed down from the Captain Mountain and climbed the Battalion Chief Mountain. Now I'm staring out over, and I'm, and maybe, maybe there's another rank out there for me or another mountain to climb, or maybe that mountain is something that's not a rank. It's a, it's an impact. It's a position. It's a, you know, you know what I mean. So, so I'm, I've never, I'm never, I'm never, I won't say never, but, but I definitely am, and I never, I did never think that I would get to this. Uh, level in the fire department and in the fire service. And so I'm truly, truly humbled, uh, that I was selected for this job and, uh, I'm going to do the the damn best that I can to make it a firefighting first job, no matter what role I'm doing. And, um, so, and again, that's an update kind of on like what's been going on here and what's been going on with the with the podcast and what might happen in transition in the future. We'll keep you updated. Uh, should find out soon what my assignment's going to be. Um, and so that will definitely impact what happens. But I can also tell you, too, that this stuff's been out on Facebook. And, uh, and I appreciate everyone, any listener, any, uh, any person who's a friend or whatever. It's been on my social media as well. Uh, it was on the Fireground Commander's commander social media. So anybody that's reached out and said, congratulations, I truly, truly appreciate it. Uh, it's a humbling experience. Cause like I said, I, I never really thought that this was a possibility for me, especially as a 16 year old kid or even a 22 year old kid who got hired in this department. I never thought I thought making captain was like the biggest thing that I would ever do. Um, I really did, especially because there 's not that many of them, and there 's even less chiefs right so so uh somebody somewhere is looking out for me and and uh I appreciate everybody who's who's shared any sort of congratulations with me, any sort of uh you know pat on the back or or encouragement uh you know is it, it, one of the best interactions i 've had lately uh was with d j stone at the conference when he was kind of talking about like how he a guy who is by is way more well known than i am he's a, I, I love his class like he's been with eight he's done the eight five o fireman stuff and he now he's kind of team teaching with his brother doing the the grab analysis class which is so well needed uh and just the way he approaches it like I idolize what he's doing and he was telling me about how much he loved what I was doing, and how he liked the podcast, and how he loved the, uh, loved the Facebook page and how he liked my old blog, like how I was blogging before blogging was cool and all this kind of stuff. And, and just, you know, that those like I'm, sometimes I'm a little uncomfortable with gratitude. Right. But, uh, man, that just, that warmed my heart. And like I said, that guy's one of the coolest dudes I've ever met. And so, uh, so anybody that's, that's out there, I, I I really appreciate even just you listening to the ramblings of a guy who just loves the fire service. Right and that kind of transitions into the other message that I had. We talked about loving the job and we talked about what it means to truly love the job. And and I put it on Facebook and I put it on Facebook and I, uh, and, and really truly, you know, it's an example of my father who is 63 years old, retired firefighter. He was an industrial firefighter. He was a volunteer firefighter. And, uh, he was a, one of our volunteer fire uh, chiefs. Uh, he was one of our volunteer chiefs. He's a company officer. Uh, he retired from the fire service uh, two years ago, and he's not done, right? He's not done. He joined our local, what we call the Metro Richmond Flying Squad, and it's a bunch of retired firefighters uh, who still want to be in the game, and they they uh, they go to fires and they give rehab and they they rehab first responders. They do rehab at live burns and any sort of major event for in the municipalities. They've done SWAT calls. They do they do everything right in this metro Richmond area, and it just that's what truly loving the job means, right? Like he's not done. He still wants to be of service. He knows he shouldn't be riding around on a ladder truck anymore, but he still wants to be of service, and he still loves the fire service, and he wants to help, and he wants to do things, and that's what it means, and And I, and I know I talked about that on Facebook, and I think I even hit on it in the last episode, but uh, as my children get older, and and I've talked about this, my children are fantastic athletes they wrestle all over the country in fact we're going to a wrestling tournament over this memorial day weekend um, you know, that's what we do, right? Like they love wrestling and they work their butts off to be as good as they can be. And like, you, you know, you've never heard of them, you know what I mean? Like they're not nationally ranked or anything, but they do very well in state and they compete very well nationally, right? Like, so they, they're not, uh, they're not gonna, you know, they're probably not going to be, uh, wrestling in NCAA division one national championships, but they're going to be college athletes like they're, and they're just such good kids. They're so smart. And they say they want to do this for a living, both of them, especially now my older son, who is a junior in uh, high school. He went to that high school specifically because they offer an EMT and a firefighter program as part of its school curriculum. And he's taking his EMT classes, and he's he's gotten a chance to go do some ride-alongs. And we were driving to a wrestling tournament the other day, and we saw an ambulance go by and a fire truck. And he looked at me and was like, "Dang, wonder where they're going." And we were in a different county, so I had no idea. Uh, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't know. Probably a medical call. And, you know, engines following the ambulance." And he looked at me and said, "I wish I hadn't ran as many calls on my ride-alongs." And I said, "Really? Why?" I said, "You say you want to do this, you know, yada yada, so on and so forth, right? Like, like, what do you mean you hadn't run that many calls?" He goes, "Well." Because I got so many calls so fast, I didn't get the chance to do more ride-alongs. He wasn't upset that he ran all the calls. He was upset because they were or the ride-alongs were over fast. And that, it kind of like smacked me in the face. Like, that was me. That was me at that age. That was me, you know, and everyone's heard my story. Joined the fire department at 15, firefighter one at 16, and uh, firefighter one and two at 16, got my EMT at 18, right? And when I was his age, you know, he's 17 years old. I felt the same way. I didn't want to miss a call. I didn't give a crap. If it was an EMS call, a brush fire, a car fire, a house fire, an accident, I would go crazy if they went on a call without me if i missed a call so i spent almost all my time like it was one, i mean it's the only thing uh with wrestling you know i wrestled up until the point it's the only thing that made me quit wrestling because i was so like i can't go to wrestling practice cuz they're going to go to a call and i got to go on this call and it just smacked me right in the face with like why now and i get it sometimes you get older and and it's more frustrating But man, we need to have that same mentality of the kid that we all were. Most of us were that kid. Most of us, even if you weren't that kid, if you were a little older, if you were a little behind the the eight ball getting into the fire service, you saw that fire truck going somewhere and you're like, man, I wonder where they're going. I wonder where they're going. I wonder what they're getting ready to do. I wonder what they're getting ready to have to do. I'm interested in this. And if any of you did any career ride-alongs, you were super excited just to get to go on a call. You were excited to get to go on a call. You were excited to get to do something. You were excited to get to do, you know, the job of a firefighter. And for a lot of people, that passion, that, that excitement, it's gone. It's gone. And that's a sad, sad thing because most of us got into this for all the right reasons. I'm not saying everyone, right? There are plenty of people, and we know them, who have gotten into this job because it's a good job, right? It's got good benefits. It's a good pension. It's, uh, we, we rarely lay people off, you know, all of those things. And even when we do lay people off, there's usually protections in place, right? But, uh, man, where did that go? And I've tried to, ever since that day, and i was already talking about loving the job and being okay loving the job and and what it means to love the job but ever since i had that conversation with them i've tried to take that mentality and i've tried to i've tried to take that look and that mentality every day and apply it to me going to work and be ex- and try to be excited over every call and it's cliche but every call is an opportunity to help someone right Every call is an opportunity to help someone and it may not, you may not think it's worthy of your time, but every call is an opportunity to help someone. Every call is an opportunity to, to do so. and, and, and here's a, a, another perspective. Maybe that call is not even the opportunity to help a citizen, right? Yes. That's the citizens who calls us, but maybe that problem is simple, right? Maybe that problem is so simple like, we go, we fix it and, it, and it's not challenging or anything like that, but maybe that's the opportunity to help one of your fellow firefighters, right? Maybe you've got that rookie, and that call, while the problem that they, that's there is simple, that call can teach them something. It can provide a learning opportunity for that person. So maybe the person you're going on the call for to help isn't the person on the other end of 911. A lot of times they are. A lot of times they are. It is that. And a lot of times it's both, right? A lot of times it's we're helping the person on the other end of 911 and we can teach and we can use. But think about it. Every opportunity, every call is an opportunity to help somebody. Maybe it's the people riding the rig with you. Maybe it's that person on the other end of 911. Maybe it's yourself. Maybe you're going to see something you've never seen before, and you have the opportunity to learn about it and then share it with others. So if we have that mentality, if we have that, that every call matters mentality and we can maintain that, and I'm not saying it's easy folks. I'm not saying at four o'clock in the morning, you're going to have a great mindset going into some of these things because, you know, the reality is there are people that do abuse our system. There are people that abuse our system. There are people that, but at the end of the day, we are in a service industry this is all about customer service. My friend Ben Martin says, when he stretches a hose line, that's like him putting down a business card. Like, boom, this hose line was stretched by Ben Martin. Look how badass it is, right? And I believe that. Like, everything that we do, we're leaving our business card on the table. So, think about that. Think about that. Like if you had somebody come power wash your house and they did a crappy job and they left your business card on the steps, you'd be like, F these guys. I don't want them coming back to my house. Rip, rip, rip. Not going to recommend them. But if they did a fantastic job, you're like, oh man. And then, and your friend or the Facebook marketplace pops up and is like, hey, need recommendations on a power washer. You take a picture of that business card and post it. Like, hey, these guys did fantastic at my house. Same thing for the fire department everything that we're doing is leaving our business card down there. So every call matters and, and we're going to struggle. We're going to go ups and downs, but I just try to re- just, just try to remember who you were as a kid, who you were as that young adult or who you were as the, even that older adult who wanted to be a part of this world, who wanted to be a part of this world, who wanted to just do all of these things and were curious and were disappointed when you went to a place that had no calls or do you didn't run calls. There was a time, I guarantee, in each one of your lives in the fire service where you would go to work for 24 hours or or pull your volunteer shift and you had no calls and you were disappointed. Guarantee there was a time. So where did that go? Where did that go and where is it now? I truly, truly believe that we need to have that mentality. We need to try to maintain that mentality. Our entire career. I can't remember where I heard this from, and and I I read it somewhere. I want to say it was the nine L's of leadership, um, but but I can't remember 100%, so I don't want to say that it is. But, you know, do you have the courage and the fortitude to train 30 years for something that you might never do? You may never make a grab and that's not your fault but you have to always be ready to make the grab do you have the guts and the courage and the fortitude to train for something you might never have to do and to train to an expert level in something you may never have to do and that all comes back to loving the job and that all comes back to being to having that mentality of every call matters there every call's an opportunity to to help someone and try to change your mindset a little bit of this may not be good for the, this may not be challenging to me. This may not be even be very like challenging to the citizen. This problem is not hard to solve, but maybe it's an opportunity for you to learn something. Maybe it's an opportunity for the probie to learn something. You know, I've said it a million times, turn every call into a fire. Every EMS call, turn it into a fire, get to the house, solve the problem, take care of ma or Pawpaw or whoever's hurt or sick or injured and then take an extra five minutes before you mark back in service and talk about the stretch, talk about the water supply, talk about the forcible entry at the front door, talk about, you know, will your hose line get everywhere in the house? What hose line are you going to pull? Drive down the street to the closest hydrant, turn it, take all the caps off, turn it on, make sure it works. Putting that fire-first mentality into everything that we do. bringing it back to loving this job and bringing it back to having the mentality that my son has right now as a 17-year-old kid that's disappointed he didn't get to go on an EMS call. Disappointed that there weren't more opportunities for him to ride on an ambulance. That's loving the job, folks. And if you can take that mentality with you at work every day. You're going to have a lot more enjoyable shift. You're going to have a lot more enjoyable career, and you're probably going to inspire others to do the same. And I think that's all I have for today. Again, I apologize for some of the many different topics and the ramblings and the and the whatnot. But uh, this was kind of like a rambling s podcast, and uh, but I but I wanted to kind of fit all the points into one episode, and and because I'm going out of town, and I wanted to make sure that it was. That my point was getting across and hopefully I'll be doing some different content if you like some of the things that are going on and it's talking about loving the job if you like some of the things that are going on uh, through my social media through I've posted it on Facebook I've posted it on Instagram I've posted it uh, elsewhere. Um, on Twitter, all sorts of things. But uh, if you're interested, I have started a Slack, which is a uh, app communication device uh, for for work groups and teams. I've started a Slack discussion where we're posting things on what books are you reading. Uh, we're posting things on co- for company officers, engine company, ladder company, rescue company, different conferences and classes. Or wherever. we're posting all that, and it's a, it's supposed to be a discussion format. It's just getting off the ground, so there hasn't been a lot of discussion, but there is a lot of content on there. If you're interested in joining that discussion group, uh, hit me up on a direct message on my social media and either uh, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. And they're all Average Jake or some version of average jake with underscores or whatnot uh, and let's let's get the conversation going offline let's get let's start to build a group of firefighters that we can discuss openly things with let's start to build a group of firefighters that we can have good discussions with and let's grow our circle of mentors and let's grow our circle of people uh, in the fire service so that we can learn things from different people and we can see different perspectives and maybe just maybe one of those perspectives can help you when you're struggling on the job or when you need things or such or, or things of that nature. Um, so again, it's the Slack app. Um, you can download the app and then I can give you the, the, uh, the login information for the Average Jake Firefighter Discussion Board. Um, so if you're interested in that, just DM me through my social media channels and I can send it directly to you. Uh, also, I wouldn't be able to do what I do without the help of some great companies. The first being Vanguard Safety Wear. Vanguard Safety Wear, the makers of the MK1 Fire Glove, the MK1 Ultra, the Squad 1, and all sorts of cool things. Uh, those gloves are made for work. They're the they're the only gloves that I want to wear these days, and I just got a brand new pair of MK1s thanks to my good buddy Ryan Pennington, um, who's one of the, the creators and the founders of, M, of Vanguard Safety Wear. Uh, they hooked me up with a cool hoodie that I'm going to be repping every time I go somewhere because I love being part of that Vanguard Army. So if you want a pair of Vanguard Safety Wear gloves, go to VanguardSafetyWear.com or DingusFire.com. Vanguard Safety Wear, made for work. The next being Taylor's Tins. Taylor's Tins makes, well, they make metal everything, okay? I just got a fantastic new Taylor's Tins metal helmet front uh, from my good friends at Rescue and Engine 318, as a promotional gift, and I can tell you it looks so cool on my brand new white helmet, and it is gold leaf. They just do everything. So go to taylors10s.com, and you can get a helmet front. You can get a locker tag. You can get, get uh, cards, uh, metal cards for your gas monitor. You can get uh, accountability tags, pump cards, everything. And it's not just a drop-down and a click-down and everything like that. You tell them what you're looking for, and they mock up some artwork for you. You get to make adjustments and then they start, and I can tell you, it's not only fantastic quality, it's fast. I paid for that thing, and three days later, it was here, okay? So, just, just a tremendous, tremendous company, tailors10s.com. Uh, I love them. I had one on my, my captain shield was a tailors10s, and now my chief shield is going to be a tailors Ten. So, tailors10s.com, stop burning up leather, start wearing tailors10s. I've been using this other product for the longest time ever, um, and now uh, probably going to be using it even more since the days of riding a fire truck are probably done for me. Uh, TacticalWorksheet.com, IDLH technology. Andy Powell over there, in my opinion, makes the best command boards and command aids that uh, money can buy. Uh, the IDLH Tactical Worksheet, the IDLH Tactical Worksheet Junior, the MCI Active Shooter Worksheet, all the things. The the the, uh, the practice board, the practice sheets, everything. It's laid out exactly how my brain works when I'm trying to organize an incident. I've been using it as a ride up battalion, and now I'm going to be using it as a full-time battalion. So go to tacticalworksheet.com or idlhtechnology.com and get you, in my opinion, some of the best command boards on the market today. And lastly, we already talked about this a little bit, the Fireground Commander Conference. One of my favorite things that I do every year in the fire service, having our 7th annual conference, May 13th, 14th, 15th, Henrico Theater, go to embracetheresistance.com, that's embracetheresistance.com, click on the FGC, Fireground Commander Conference tab, and you can sign up for $175 for 8 speakers, lunch provided every day. Uh, Snacks and drinks provided every day. A tremendous lineup. We went over it earlier in the podcast, and we'll go over it in future episodes of the podcast. Just tremendous lineup, tremendous conference. Our seventh annual Fireground Commander Conference at the Henrico Theater in Henrico County, Virginia. As we say, your passion is not the problem. And lastly, you know what we do. Make sure you're spending one hour every day in the library reading something, learning something about our job. You can watch YouTube videos. You can read an article in Fire Engineering Magazine. You can go on Statter 911. You can read a book. Do something to educate yourself about our job. Make sure you're spending one hour every day in the gym being in shape getting in shape to do the job you swore that you wanted to do. And make sure you're spending one hour a day doing some sort of hands-on training, putting your hands on the tools and equipment we need to be able to do our job. And it doesn't always have to be the world's greatest drill. It doesn't have to be 10 engines and five ladder trucks and a burn building in order to be doing some hands-on training. As the weather gets warmer, you can get out in the bay with a hose bundle, shorts, and some fire gloves, and stretch to every door in your firehouse and make sure that they're perfect. And do them over and over again until they're perfect. You can get out at your firehouse and throw some ground ladders. You can get out with a with a bag of rope and tie all the rescue knots. You can pull out your SCBA and go over every stinking part of it with your fire gloves on and practice transfilling each other. Pull out your rit bag practice transfilling, practice doing mass swaps. You can do that in your day room. It doesn't take a whole lot. And the little trainings sometimes are way more learning and way better than the big ones. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Stay aggressive. Out.